Hello and welcome to season three, episode seven of Dual Security. I am the universe experiencing itself, but will be playing the part of Andrew today. Absolutely. And I am both the piece of the puzzle and oddly enough, the entire puzzle in the piece at the same time, but I usually just go as Ray. And today we are joined by a very special guest, Nick from TikTok. You would know him as the Bald Sage, as well as on Instagram. Uh, we're going to introduce him in just a moment. I just want to cover a few announcements. Most importantly, I want to talk about the recent uh, edition of Dualistic Unity in the People's Choice Podcast Awards. And I want to say thank you so much to everybody who voted for us. We have actually made the semifinal slate of the awards, and we will know by September 13th whether or not we've won in the religion and spirituality category. So for everybody who nominated us, thank you so much. It went a long way towards getting us some exposure. And over the next month, we should see a lot more community members joining us on Discord and Patreon and, of course, here on the podcast as well. So that's very exciting. And, of course, I have to mention this one more time. The retreat is getting closer and closer week by week. We still have some tickets left. If you haven't already went and looked at the details, do so on the website at dualisticunity.com. The retreat is from November 12th. To 20th it's eight days it's going to be amazing heated outdoor pool barbecue billiards table and of course all the time you want with andrew and myself just being as authentic as possible and so without any further ado and with no more announcements to talk about i'm going to get to nick nick thank you for joining us today i am really excited to talk to you i have watched your tiktok content for quite some time and i always resonate with how matter of fact and authentic it is i i get the impression that you take what you do very seriously, not too seriously that you, that, you know, it, it becomes boring or anything like that, but you take it seriously enough that you put the effort into how you word things and how you bring them across. And I think that comes back down to your uh, perspective of the importance of self-dialogue. So before we get into any more on that, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, how you came onto this path and a little bit about your views. No, yeah. I mean, first off, thank you both for having me on here. It's funny because I told my wife when you guys first started, I was like, yo, they have this podcast and I'm pretty sure I'm going to be on it at some point, but it'd be really cool if I am. Like, I'm going to say I am, you know, like the manifested, but at the same time, it'd be really cool if it did. So it's just really cool to be here right now with you guys. But, uh, but yeah, like self-dialogue for me has been absolutely everything because I spent a majority of my life I would call it like people pleasing or being a follower, trying to find space to fit in, to feel comfortable, because as a small child, you're told the things that you might think that are outlandish or not normal, you're wrong and it's not the right way. So I really took that to heart growing up because I wanted people to like me. So for a majority of my life, my self-dialogue was crap and my validation came from anybody outside of me telling me that I'm good or not. Only downside of that is it's just as bad if they tell me that I'm not good enough. And so as time went on, I started asking questions. And that's when things really opened up for me because people didn't have answers. I grew up in a very religious Christian household. And so to the point to where it was like uh, when Harry Potter came out, they would read it in school, like to the kids. I would have to go sit in the library or if it was Halloween candy, I would have to go in the library for all those stuff. So it was like there's this whole other world that I had no idea about. So I would ask questions like, well, if God knows everything, then he knows if I'm going to go to hell before he created me, right? And he'd be like, well, you don't know the mind of God. And I'd be like, nah, this just does not make sense. Like, I don't like following something that people don't have answers for me for. And so that really opened me up to, well, the only thing that has been consistent with me throughout this whole time has been myself. And throughout my life, I've been through many different like medical trials and things like that. 
and eventually led me to meditation. And I stumbled across Alan Watts, which I'm very thankful that he's the first person I found because he's one of the few people who doesn't tell you what to do. And that's all I wanted. I wanted somebody to share their experience, but not tell me what to do. And when I came across him, that pretty much just opened me up to everything. And then through that process of the journey, I realized how important my self-talk was or just my relationship with myself in general, because like you said in the beginning, I'm the universe. So however I am with myself is going to be directly reflected in the world around me. And that leads into like why I say the things I say in my videos and talk to people, because I try to put it in a perspective that is as simple as possible so that whatever rebuttals you have, it's like you already have the answer to that question because you thought that question up in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, I resonate with a lot of that, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. With the, uh, with the self-dialogue with, with all of it, with trying to come across in simpler ways for people to understand, kind of like meeting people with where they're at, figuring out new ways. I know I've, I've seen a bunch of your videos. You're, you're constantly trying to figure out ways to get it across to people and, and not in a way of necessarily looking down on them or trying to teach them something, but just like meeting them where they're at because clearly you enjoy it because you can see it through the enthusiasm that you express in your videos. And that's the same thing we love doing is figuring out ways to get this across people in different ways. But I think the the self-dialogue stuff I resonate with a lot, like a big part of what I talk about, what I enjoy helping people with is the intrusive thoughts and and that self-talk that that they're going through. And I've figured out as I've let go more and more of the idea of that I am what I think I am, the self-talk has has also been let go more so. And there isn't as much to to cling to, but there's still, you know, those those sort of levels to which people can be met at when it comes to self-dialogue. So for yourself, like when you first started getting into that stuff or recognizing it and seeing that it was dictating like pretty much everything about your entire life has has that gotten easier as you've let go to a more solidified idea of yourself or how did that journey sort of start was there a moment i always love hearing if people have like certain like stark realizations that they realize sort of allows them to let go for myself i've had you know a handful at least probably 10 specific sort of things i can remember recognizing, but I would love to hear more about some of the recognitions, maybe specifically that you've had um, in that realm. Man, a really big one would be like my relationship with basketball. So I was a big time basketball player when I was in high school, I made it to college, and then I had a chance to go semi-pro and I had a chance to go to Australia from there. And my agent disappeared, stole money, all this stuff. So I'm 25 years old, my whole entire life up to 25, I identified with basketball because I was good at it. Remember, I needed people to like me. So I was good at something. That's what I was. I pretty much hit absolute rock bottom at that point. Like I was 25 years old sharing a bunk bed at my sister's house with my niece because at the exact same time, I had just left a marriage in which I was in like living the lifestyle of somebody who's worth seven figures, don't have to work, do anything. I left that for just like mental health reasons. And I was just in this space of like, oh, my gosh, what's left? And that pretty much is what was the biggest catalyst for me because I realized you, you can't go no further than here. Like I can't go nowhere else. I can't go any lower. So why not just try something different and try something new? And that pretty much was the big catapult that I needed to even start thinking differently than what I already, already used to think. That's fantastic. I think not 
what you went through, obviously that wasn't <laughs> fantastic, but what you made of it is. And I think that that's very much the point that I resonate a lot with is that sometimes things just go up in flames. Sometimes it turns to ash and what you're left with is the same thing you started with you right? but yeah. somewhere along that journey. It's like, we start to think that what we were building made us more valuable and that's where it starts to lose its appeal or even lose the benefit. We can't enjoy it as much when we need it. We can't enjoy it as much when it's solving some sense of lack, right? Whereas now, no matter what you're doing in your life, I imagine that your sense of value is more or less maintained. Like it's not something that wavers because it's not necessarily something that can be threatened or taken away. It's not an idea of who you are. And I really enjoy your content for that. You said something specifically. I'm going to dive right into the deep end here because I, I actually said this in the comment on your video that I really hope you bring this up. So I'm oh, going to yeah. bring it up. You were saying that labels equal limitations. And I, I love that because we say that quite frequently on here. And specifically, you were talking about this new age spirituality discussion around the masculine and feminine energies. And this is something I generally stay away from because God knows I get enough hate as it is. <laughs> um, but you worded it really, really well. And I noticed that you do the same thing I do where you're like, if I say this without any judgment whatsoever, I'm not going to get much hate. I just need to say it for what it is and leave yeah. it alone. And you did that really well. But the idea that, you know, oh, I, I, I have too much masculine energy. I have too much feminine energy. And there is no separation. There's no division whatsoever. Like, it's just different gradations, much like temperature, right? It's just different variations in the spectrum. But we want to identify one side versus the other. And then, of course, we identify ourselves with that side versus the other. And it just becomes really distorted. So I would really like to discuss that that trap that pitfall of identifying with the masculine or the feminine because from my perspective i've met women who are masculine and men who are feminine but if that's the case then neither one applies right exactly no yeah i agree and so i i like to the way i do stuff and i said in a couple of videos too i say like life itself is layered like anything that you tackle anything that you come after there's layers to it and so how I look at it is what I use is like a foundation is that we don't know anything like we don't we don't like we can't see everything. So there's I, so much of the light spectrum that we can see. So who knows what's really going on? Who knows if we're actually doing life right in and of itself? All we've really done is taken what we've experienced and boiled it down in the concepts that we can understand. And there's nothing wrong, like nothing that I say is towards right or wrong. It's just how I see life as what is. And so realizing that I was like, well, why would I limit myself to just what we've already done? Like, didn't we get to the space we're at now by people doing things that was different from what was already done? So why would I try to do the same thing? And I feel like a lot of people get really stuck in trying to do that fit in or get accepted. They try to find the thing that they can follow that gets them to that point when it's like, you're here to create another path. Like this is your journey to do it. Everyone else has created stuff. You can use that as a foundation, as a reference tool, but you have your own unique perspective on who and what you are. And that's why I feel like people have so much turmoil within themselves with these topics like masculine and feminine energy, because at the foundational level, they haven't even started to kind of uncover who am I right here right now. Yeah, looking beyond the concept to what the concept is trying to point towards. That's something exactly. that uh, 
because we get caught on the familiar and more importantly, we get caught on credibility, right? Like we learn something from somebody and we take them as credible and we go, oh, okay, well, obviously I've just got to refer to them. And that makes me credible as well. I just had um, a little bit of a heated discussion in the comments section of Andrew's video on the law of attraction just before this. And it was with a law of attraction coach who's not a, a big fan of me. But every time we have this discussion and I say something along the lines of, Right, but the law of attraction still hinges on this idea of yourself versus the universe and lack and the perspective separation in between. Well, that's not what Bob Proctor said. That's not what Abraham Hicks has said. That's not what such and such has said. It's like, right, that doesn't mean that's the end of the conversation. That doesn't mean that that's the final insight because this is what was said by someone. Like there's more, you can keep going, right? But it's like, no, no, these people have credibility. Who are you? Just God. Exactly. <laughs> no i like i resonate with that 100 percent, definitely yeah it's fascinating just like with the, the limits and that's something i've had written down as well like the labels equal limitations and how much of our experience is limited to the that which has already been known like like the past and like you just said everything that's led up to what we where we're at now has been done and like the the great leaps and bounds and and whatever progress that our society has made has been done by people who didn't refer to what's been done. It's, it's looking beyond that and, and the potential of what is when we let go of the limitations, which are reinforced by the labels. So I find it very interesting with the masculine and feminine discussion, how much people want to cling to that. And it's like, they just want to cling to a sense of certainty to this false yeah. sense of certainty. So they refer back to what's already been, what's what's already been discussed when it comes to, you know, like law of attraction, like what's already been set in stone by the Abraham Hicks and the Bob Proctors and all those people. And it's like, hold on, like, what about you? Like, that's incredibly disempowering to think that you always have to refer back to someone else. Like, why can't you just look within and, and see yourself and maybe see that you are what is beyond the labels beyond the masculine and feminine limitations that we experience. And, and you are just energy that has the ability to flow as anything. And you don't necessarily have to, you know, spend so much goddamn time figuring out like how much feminine energy do I have? How much masculine energy do I have? Like, am I finding my balance right now? And it's like, well, you are your balance when you stop trying to become balance. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I haven't really similar to Ray. I, I've never really spent too much time talking about masculine versus feminine energy. I find that, yeah, people, I also trigger a lot of people and a lot of the things I say as funny as it is that people from the external, like some of my friends were like, how do people get triggered by your videos? I feel like you're just, you know, trying to help people. And it's like, you'd be surprised, dude, like how much people's identities and their beliefs go into what triggers them and what leads to them being triggered. So even a discussion like this, it's like, you know, where are your certifications? Like how, why are you able to even talk about this right now? Like you haven't, you know, gone through the schooling, you don't have a piece of paper and it's like, yeah, but I have my experience. And exactly. that's so much of what it comes down to. And, but everyone's looking for something external. So they're looking for you to have something external. And, and so I find that it's just very limiting to our ability to progress as a society is looking to the external and not looking so much within. And so I don't know if you've had experience with people like questioning your 
ability to talk about certain topics? You seem like you kind of go wherever you're feeling. Like, do you get pushback much with certain things? Or have you found that sometimes people question whether you should be able to talk about certain topics? No, 100%. I would say, first off, I've definitely dealt with imposter syndrome because the business that my brother and I run, we do, we teach, we're a consulting, a wellness consulting business, and we focus on generational wellness. And so we go into like school systems, teachers, like we have contracts in our city and other states. And we go in and teach people that are older than me, that have been here longer than me, that have more experience. I'm going to tell them how they can be better in the field that they've been teaching in for 20 years. And so that was something that has always been like, oh my goodness, can I like, am I okay to do this? Like, is that okay? And so getting over that was a whole journey in and of itself. But uh, also with that, I would like to give a shout out to my wife because she is an individual who has said to me, she's like, you know what? No, like I like the materialistic thing. I like looking for things outside of myself that make me feel good because I'm very big on saying like, there's no wrong way to live. Just own it. Like if you're going to be that, just be that 100 percent. And so she challenges me on everything that I say, every single thing that comes up. And a lot of my videos are literally after her and I have conversations because how she thinks is how a lot of people might like in the realm of how a lot of people think, because when you think of materialists, people are using external things to validate themselves. And so it kind of gives me this idea of how to speak, because if she's not hearing what I'm saying, I don't think anybody's going to hear what I'm saying. So anything that she kind of responds to is like, that makes sense. I like that. I'm like, new video. Here I go right now. And so I kind of use her for that. And on the other side of that, my business partner is my younger brother. And we are, it's funny, y'all call it dualistic unity because we're together. We get to the same, uh, same place, but we're completely two different people. He's very ordered, structured, make a list, make a plan. He'll get it done. So like on the business side, he does all the business meetings, all the finances, all that stuff. I am content. I'm the flow. I'm the ideas. I'm that side of things. But we get to the same space. And so what I've learned is that as long as I focused on my journey with myself, it made it a lot easier to deal with everyone else on theirs. Because throughout the time of being patient with myself, it allowed me to be more patient with others. So my, they might say, that they believe something wholeheartedly that I might see is that's really not a belief you should have, but because I know that they're on their journey and at some point they might make a change or they might not. It's, it's up to them. It's okay for me to allow them to be themselves. And what I tell people that I work with that is even in those times to where you might say, well, it's a family member and they can act this way towards me and I don't like it. And I'm like, well, that's where you show how much you love yourself by setting boundaries in these areas. So that you can protect yourself when you don't want to be in these situations. And then people can then understand who you are. And you'll notice that people might even change how they respond to you, not even realizing that now they're changing their whole life because of how you're treating yourself. Well said. Now, it really does come down to the applicability. I find that if you get a little bit too philosophical about it or you get a little too high-minded about it, you almost take on this condescending tone where everybody must abide by the way I see the world. Whereas yeah. when you're married... I know because I've been married for 18 years that doesn't last very long before she's telling you like maybe you should tone that down a notch do you remember when you did this stupid dumbass thing yesterday or the day before and you're like right 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 I'm human okay and it helps I was talking to a client about this recently about the meat grinder of her relationship because you're faced with yourself in that other person and the more they know you the more so that's the case right and so when they're pushing your buttons that's an excellent opportunity to see that you still have those buttons or that you still value them, right? And the same is true for talking to my wife. I talk to her and if I say something and it sets her off, I'm like, okay, I could have delivered that better. Sometimes, sometimes I'm like, that was the perfect impact because it, it, it shook her, right? And so it really is an educational process, but it's one that we have to have in relationship. Yeah. 
it doesn't work from sitting on high. It doesn't work for going to school for, for 10 years, taking theology, right? Or going to seminary or anything like that to learn about God. It's like that God is in front of us all the time. It's who we are. It's what we're interacting with. So yeah, I, I love that. And I think that that does explain a lot about the tone of your message, which is always very human. It's always yeah. very much what is actually going to work not what's going to make me feel more important or what's going to make you look up to me or what's going to make me seem like I have more esoteric secrets, right? But it's what's going to work. And, and I appreciate that because that's the stuff that unfortunately doesn't get a lot of attention online, or at least it hasn't up until more recently where we're seeing kind of a shift. So I do have a question for you because yeah. when I was life coaching, I would often say that my goal was to never see my client again because I just want them to be whole and complete and recognize that's always been the case. And, and as long as we're having a conversation, that's eventually the direction that they're going in. I get that feeling from you to the same degree. Do you find that's difficult for repeat business? Um, Honestly, I don't even worry about it. I don't like I'm at this space now to where, and it's funny because the cool part about being a materialist is like my wife really is into having a lot of money doing these things like this stuff. So I do get to experience both worlds. So I'm fortunate enough to where it's like, since I'm not really on the financial aspect of things with stuff, that's not really a huge concern of mine. Do I make money? Do I do things to generate income? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm a human living in this, this capitalist society, so I have to. But outside of that, I don't worry about it too much. I never worry about like if things are going to be OK, we're going to be here with that or this and that. Like uh, two and a half years ago, we were sharing a mattress on the floor and I was just like, we're not going to be here in two years. She's like, how? I was like, I don't know. But I just had this feeling that we're not going to be here because who we are right now is not who we're going to be moving forward. And now we're at the place where we used to be like, oh, it would be so cool to be in this space within life now. It would be so awesome. Then you get here and you're like, oh, wait, this space looks cool too. It would be cool to get to this new level. And that's when it's like, hey, you're just being like, it's okay to just be, to just, to just enjoy this journey. Yeah, it's still you, regardless of where you are, right? Exactly. It's just how much of myself can I get to experience? And I think that's something that's guided me along the path, I guess, is just how much I enjoy being free, feeling free of the influences of my environment as, as an impact, right? My environment is what it is. That, that doesn't necessarily mean it has to dictate how I feel. And until I got out of that, then I was always chasing that next carrot. I was always running from that stick or trying to have an opinion on where I was and where I was going and everything else. And, and the more you realize it's always just you, it's always just you. It doesn't matter what the scenery is. And then you start putting more time into that. And I think that that's something that you put on your profile that uh, it was a mindfulness cultivator or it was a immortal, immortal cultivator. Was immortal cultivator. I love that because that's exactly what it is. You're cultivating what is essentially an eternal experience because to exactly. us, it is eternity. Like people are, oh, I'm going to die one day. You're not dead. Focus on where you are, which is eternity, exactly. right? So I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm really appreciating this conversation because again, as somebody who did life coaching for a long time, I don't anymore for the most part. I try to, to stay away from it just because I put so much more time into just spreading ripples and doing all that. But it's interesting to see that through your own path, you've more or less decided that all I really have to do is be human. I had somebody in, in life coaching ask me, like, what are your credentials? And I, I kind of laughed. I'm like, I'm, I'm 40. That's it. Like, I'm, I'm still here. And I, and I have a lot less problems than you do. There's my credentials, right? <laughs> Let's just have a talk. Because as long as they're looking for that, that diploma, they're still blinded by what's causing them that pain. Right? And so I, I find that to be really interesting. Yeah, I found more and more with people that 
even friends that are starting to get into creating content and and doing things like that, like everyone gets so caught up in how they're going to teach people and what they know and what things they can share. And I found some of the most successful, whether it be a single video or a creator or just people who people resonate with a lot. They share their experience and things that have sort of helped them through the experience or just the experience as they're going through it, whether it's you know, the process of becoming a, you know, professional athlete, just like documenting it as they go, that idea of documenting over creating, or just like sharing their journey as they go, or things they've been through that have helped them overcome certain things, just sharing those things. Like that's always been sort of my reason for getting into content was, oh, you know, I don't suffer as much as I used to. I've learned a lot of things along the way. Why don't I start sharing some of these things? And, you know, if, if other people resonate with it, cool, but might as well just start sharing it because I figure other people will probably resonate with it because we're not so different as human beings. So it's very, very interesting. And like some of the videos I enjoy the most are just people being open about what they're going through and authentic and sharing things that have, that have helped them is what it really comes down to at the end of the day. So I found, I think your videos have, have shown that quite a bit that, that it's just really sharing for the sake of sharing things. And it's clear that it's things that have resonated with you. And I think that's all it comes down to for the most part. And so another point that I saw in, in one of your videos was the idea of, of change happening now. And, and when you are able to take responsibility for the situation that you're going through that that's when change starts to happen and ripples mm -hmm. are begun to be made. So you just mentioned how two and a half years ago, you were in a much different situation than you were right now. I would love to hear more about that process of going from, you know, two years ago to where you're at now and how those shifts began to happen. It sounded like you knew sort of that, like, you know, you're not going to be in this place in, in two years. Like, was that, a day-to-day -day thing. I'm guessing there were a lot of ups and downs, a lot of turbulence going through being where you were to where you're at now. I find that a lot of people, their, their mentality shifts long before the, the physical sort of, uh, repercussions or resonations yeah. sort of make that shift. So I'd love to just hear more about that process and, and that init those initial mental shifts that sort of led to, the shifting of your, of your reality, but all of it, you know, happening in the moment through taking responsibility for the situation that you're in. No. Yeah. So what I call it now is a radical accountability. Now, during this time, I had no idea. Like the cool part is like, now I can label it and call it things back then had no idea I was doing it. I just knew I was doing something different than what I was already doing because, you know, the definition of insanity is you do the same thing all the time, expect different results. So I was like, I'm not insane. So I'm just going to do something different because that's going to give me a different experience. And that pretty much opened it up to, well, if I'm doing this, then that's on me. And as I began to cultivate that more and more, I realized how much control I actually had over situations when I focused that in on myself. And that pretty much budded into me getting to where I'm at now. So that was a journey of, um, you have this, your car is going to get repossessed because you didn't pay for these three months and this and that happened instead of going, Oh my gosh, this is so bad. It's I bought these things instead of paying for my car payment. I chose to go here instead of handling that I did these things in this matter. And now I'm in this situation. Cool. What am I going to do from this point forward? And so like, it's no longer, you're being a victim. You're taking full accountability for how you're experiencing your life or say, I went out 
this person spilled this drink on me. They wanted to fight, blah, blah, blah. But I just walked away because I know in that situation, I can control myself in every situation. I can always control who I am within that situation. And that made me feel so powerful. And I just been basically building on that power. But the cool part is I can tell you that now, but if you would ask me this two years ago, I couldn't explain to you why I felt the way I felt. I just knew that I was going in the right direction because I didn't have to ask anyone if I was right or wrong. I would just go in the way that I felt I should go. That's awesome. Yeah. I have a question for you because this is something that I've been noticing more and more in my life. I find the farther I go along the path, the less I think about myself. Like when I'm in situations where, like you were saying, like car payments up, I'm behind, blah, blah, blah. Whereas once I would have been like, oh, I did this, I was dumb and I made that decision and then and bitch about it and all that. It was just like, okay, that's it. Okay, what's next? And you just keep going. And what I find so funny is that I spent most of my life trying to figure out, okay, what's going to happen after that? And after that, and after that, without even taking a step, I was trying to figure out what was 50 steps down the road because I was afraid, right? And now I'm, it's like, there's another step where? There. Okay. I'll take it. And there's no more thinking. It's that leap of faith. Right. And it's always, I find it always so funny that the less I think about myself, the more potential I have, or rather the more potential I'm able to embody. Do you find that now more and more as you go along this path that things that at once at one time would have been challenging or a little daunting to you that you just wholeheartedly jump into and figure, we'll just see how it goes. Oh yeah. 100%. I would say a big shift for me was I spent this time. So I'm very big on which I don't recommend this to people. I'm just a, I call myself an extremist on the aspect of if I'm gonna try something, I'm going full fledged head first deep in. So I've done it with like ritual stuff, uh, meditating stuff, like all kinds of the most extreme stuff you could think of, like I would do it just to see what the experience was. So that was just like this thing for me to accomplish. Uh. I lost my train of thought for a split second as I was finishing that up. No, that's amazing. That That's perfect. I, I'm very much the same way because I've realized that the friend of mine said it once that if I'm not terrified, I'm not learning. And I really enjoyed that because it's, it's really when you're paying attention, when you're, when you have no idea what's coming and you're right on the ball. And, and so I'm very much the same way. Um, how do you find people around you have, have learned to, to react to that, that new way of being? Because I find uh, a lot of people as I grew got used to who I was when I was doubtful or used to who I was when I was more shy about venturing out or trying things. And now all of a sudden it's like, really, that you don't care whatsoever. And, and sometimes it makes them a little un, uneasy because they think that somehow they're missing something just because I feel more free. Do you find that in, in your relationships that that has had some impact? I used to, like, especially with like family members and close friends. Uh, now I'm at the point to where I said, I'll tell people like, it has absolutely nothing to do with me. Like, like it doesn't like I, I can't influence that. Like, you're literally making the choice based off how you view the world, what you practice every day. Like there's so many things that go into you viewing me this way that I have nothing to do with that for me to give energy to it. It's not going to do good for either of us. So now I just don't even bother with it. And it's like, if they choose to accept me and keep me in their life, great. That's awesome. Like I'm going to enjoy every moment that I have with you. And if not, I really hope the best for you as you move forward. But the way that I, the way that I put it, like when I uh, would talk to people about like their relationships, it's like, I love my wife. Like that is like my, my moon and stars and all that stuff. If she woke up tomorrow and was like, I don't want to be with you anymore. That wouldn't devastate me. It wouldn't destroy me. Why would it when I got the, I had the opportunity to enjoy every single moment that I had with her up until this point, no matter what this point was, 
but I have all these things that I got to enjoy during that time. So instead of focusing on negative things and stuff like that, I do my best to just stay where I want to be at. And by doing that, I get to experience the world that I want to experience. Radical accountability. I love it. Yeah, that's powerful. I know, I know Ray absolutely resonates with that, with that last bit. And I found that I've, I've been able to, although I'm not married, don't have a wife or anything like that. I see that more and more with my relationships with anyone in my life. And that's, it really comes down to like relationships as much as they seem on the surface different, like they're really not when it comes down to it. And a lot of it is rooted in our, for so many people, like it's rooted in a sense of lack, a sense of need, a sense of, of fear that people will leave you. And, and when you're no longer afraid of anyone leaving you or not being there tomorrow, it's like you can actually be there with them now because as long as that fear is there, as long as that desire for them to be there, you're going to act in a way that you think will keep them around as opposed to act in a way that you are and, and just expressing yourself for yourself, for you, as opposed to for anything outside of you, which includes them as, as much as a lot of people disagree with our takes on that, that like, it has to come down to doing it for you. They're like, Oh, that's selfish. Like you have to do it for your other. You have to make sacrifices. It's not to say that you can't make sacrifices for people you love, but like at the end of the day, your experience is for you. And as long as it is for someone outside of you, then you're not really there with them fully. Like you're acting in a semi-manipulative way to try and keep them around in a sense. So I feel like that's, that's the sort of core of the strongest relationships that you can have, like the best relationships that you can have is the acceptance of whatever happens tomorrow, like the, the ability for them to leave and for you to be okay. It doesn't mean that it's like you just brush it off and forget about it immediately, but there has to be like a sense of a willingness for that to end and and for that to be let go and i found that my relationships with people and like the experience that i have when i'm with them is so much better now that i have less of a desire for them to stick around or even if you know i'm texting with a friend and they don't get back to me for a few days they're like oh so sorry like i i was busy and i'm like in my head i don't say this to them necessarily but all right a lot of times i do i'm like hey don't worry about it at all. Like I take a very long time to get back to people sometimes too, because I just have other things going on. And I don't feel this constant desire to always be like getting back to people. Cause it's like, Oh, what if they feel bad that I don't get back to them right away? It's like, it's not really my responsibility for how they perceive my lack of response to them immediately. Like I just have other things going on in my life. So I think prioritizing that is, is massively important and have, have so bringing it back to a question I have for you with your relationship with your wife, was that always the case or is that something that you've Hmm. been able to sort of build upon and sort of like improve on, on that sort of take with that relationship? I I like to put it as I, I I'm at a better place at taking accountability for how I shape my experience in my relationship. I I put it, I put it that way. So pretty much, man, it was, it's a, it's been a journey on the aspect of like, like Ray was saying, it's a mirror, like it's the mirror that you have to face every single day. And for the most part, it's going to show you the worst qualities of yourself because, and it goes to like what we were just talking about a second ago with the, when they would say like, it's selfish to like, think about yourself. But what I've learned being in this relationship to get it to the point to where it's at now, if I didn't focus on being the absolute best version of myself that I can love and accept exactly where I'm at, I couldn't do that for her. 
I would need her to be something else for me to be okay. And I feel like that's where people kind of get messed up is that instead of you being the best you for you, you now need this person to be something that they're not being right now for you to be okay. And now we got these issues. But if you were focused on being the absolute best version of yourself for you, you would know what it takes to go through that. So you'd be able to be empathetic with this person as you're patient with them as they go through their journey, however they choose, because you made it, you got there. Nobody told you specifically what to do or when to do it. So give them time to do it too. And like speaking specifically on relationships. And if you feel like you can't, then just separate yourself. Don't like make it this whole emotional extra stuff. Like this is, we only got one life. Like we don't have time for all this other stuff. Go experience something. So, yeah. Nice. And it's not personal. That's the yeah, point, no. right. It's not yeah. personal, but people tend to take it personally. So this brings up a question that I have, and it's something that people often disagree with me on ghosting. <laughs> what is your take on ghosting? And, I, and I'd like to address this as a whole. So not just necessarily in romantic relationships or, 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 you know, after a week of dating, but say friendships that you've had for a long time that have turned toxic over time or where the communication has failed entirely where you are in that situation where there's nothing to say because nothing's being received and it hasn't been for a long time where you are no longer in a relationship except for in name only. What do you think of just gracefully exiting? Not necessarily to the approval or the, uh, the uh, enjoyment of the other person who would like you to continue on with the conflict because they define themselves by that conflict or rather it reinforces their sense of security and control and familiarity. Right. Do you think it's right, right in certain situations to just ghost? I always find that expression to be very funny because really, I mean, it's just a natural separation. We call it ghosting like you vanished. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Man, for me, right and wrong is so subjective and relative to people within the moment. So it's really hard for me to call it on that. I personally don't have an issue with it. And so the reason why I don't have an issue with it, I don't have an issue with somebody goes to me. Like I'm in complete allowance. Like I have, I have no desire to hold on to anything in my life that doesn't want to be by me or be here. It's okay. Like I even do a materialistic thing. If my computer was to break, cool, I got to get a new one. Like it happens. Things in life are going to be here. I realized like life is just such a big flow. Like it's a wave. And it, as long as you learn how to ride it, you realize that, hey, once you take a step back, there is so much more to explore. And you have a whole universe inside yourself. Like there's so much to do, so much to find out. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that point that because you don't mind if someone ghosts you, you're okay. Like that's what it comes back to is like how well we can handle a situation within ourselves is our ability to roll and, and understand that situation. So someone who's going to be anti-ghosting would be very opposed to being ghosted because they derive their sense of, of value, their sense of worth from clinging to those relationships, no matter what they're, they're like. And it's just that they have something or someone. And that's why so many people say in such toxic relationships, because they derive their, their value, their validation from that relationship, no matter how fucked up it is, it could be absolutely horrendous if you're able to take a step back and see it for what it actually is but because that's where their values drive from from just having a relationship from just being in a relationship it's not a good relationship or a healthy relationship it's just being in a relationship so it's fascinating how much of our of our experience is dictated based on how we perceive it happening to us and as we become more comfortable with allowing things to go and allowing things to be as they are, we become comfortable with everyone being as they are. And we cling so much less to things because clinging 
keeps us out of the flow. Like it, it literally is like being in the river and like trying to cling to the side of the river. And it's like, just, just, you can let go. Like it's, it's going to take you where you're going always, you know, hundred percent. So back on the subject of ghosting, cause I do, I really want to cover this cause it comes up a lot. And I notice a lot of people have guilt when it comes to ghosting mm-hmm. or they get really upset when somebody's ghosted them. And the argument, or at least from my perspective is that at a certain point in a relationship, if that person isn't listening to you and how you feel or, or your uh, perspective on what the relationship is, if there's no interplay, if there is no actual relationship happening, then nothing you say is going to come to, to come to a resolution. Even if it's, I don't think we should be friends anymore. I don't think this is working out that isn't going to come across in the way that you want. You're not going to have some amicable arrangement because of their perspective and the need that it's based on. And so you're immediately going to end up in in an argument, even if it's to just be honest enough to say, I don't think this relationship's working out. And so my argument is, if they're not going to listen to you, if, if you know it's just going to be a timer to vilification, which is usually what ends up happening, because they can only feel better walking away if you are enough of a villain for them to do so. Right? Well, then they're going to do that regardless of your participation. They're going to do that because they need to. So you don't necessarily have to have that confrontation. If you just want to walk away, it's going to be the same result, or at least that's my perspective on it. I had this conversation with a client very recently who, who just kept saying, like, I feel really bad. Right. But what's the alternative? The alternative is that you express yourself and it falls on deaf ears. Yeah. That's it. So is there any advice that you might have for somebody who's dealing with that guilt of having to ghost somebody due to a toxic relationship? Or do you think that it's more or less just something that they're going to have to do and, and, and kind of resign themselves with later? Um, so I'll just give an example. So I've actually had to do it. And so I, I like to share anytime I share something, I like to share from experience. I like to tell people those things that I haven't done. So um, the relationship actually before I met my wife, it ended because I realized like for six months, I was in there four months longer than I needed to be. And it wasn't going to change unless, like you said, unless I made myself into a villain. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And one day I literally just woke up, walked in and was like, this is not working. I'm not going to continue this. And I left and it wasn't for, for, and of course, during that time, I felt like shit, like I felt horrible. Like I felt like, oh man, I built all this, you know, all the memories start flowing back up, all this stuff, all the emotions, everything. Four months later, I get a text message randomly. Thank you so much for what you did. I would not have been able to do it. It was, we needed this. We were in this, blah, blah, all this other stuff. I wasn't even expecting it, but it was like, oh, okay, cool. And that's when it's just reinforcing this fact that you have to choose yourself because if you're not good for yourself, you can't be shit for anyone else under any circumstance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I resonate with that quite a bit with my last relationship and just sharing things from experience. Like I always, try and share from experience and it's like really the only way you can authentically share things and i think sometimes people get caught up in thinking they can't resonate with someone because they haven't had the exact same experience but we've talked about this before that everyone can resonate with every sort of experience on some level you know unless you're like you know seven years old or something but um with my last relationship it was it ended just sort of like we hadn't taught we it was long distance and and we hadn't seen each other in a few weeks and like we hadn't talked in a few weeks it was after being together for three weeks straight and it just got to a point that i knew that it had to be done like it was just not working it wasn't going to be a long-term thing and so 
it was like a buildup of a couple days and I was like super worked up. I was super sad about it because like there was so much just that goes into a relationship and so much that you talk about, especially because this was before I sort of recognized a lot of the things that I recognized today. But yeah, it just got to a point and it was like, hey, this isn't working. I I don't think we should continue with this. And it was it was fine. And then I moved on like immediately. I had no things like I we we were both on social media and like she had posted a bunch of videos like after it just about how she was like so excited to be single like freshly single and like I just went on posting the same videos that I had been posting as if nothing had happened which was a fascinating experience because I didn't see any good reason to show and I don't know if she was looking for me to like be sad or angry or so show some emotion but it was very strange because then like a month and a half later she texted me how she said i was i handled the breakup so poorly and all these different things came up it was like two months later after i had just like completely forgotten about all of it and it totally moved on from all that so it was it was interesting but i i was always like a little bit curious about i guess people want to see someone uh, I don't know like not hurting but just show that something meant something to them after it already happened and I was never I still don't really wasn't able to wrap my head around the whole like thing that happened two months later but I I don't know if if you guys have any insight into that with a sort of experience mm-hmm. like that because I found it fascinating because I could tell like I, I've known that people, probably want to see something like that and I didn't show anything and and she was showing a lot of it and I was like this is weird and I like we had unfollowed each other after that and so I wasn't really seeing much of her stuff but yeah it was just kind of an interesting thing that I experienced so I was curious if you guys have experienced any of that or have any thoughts on it no yeah I mean oh were you about to say something no I was gonna say Nick you go first I'll follow uh, <laughs> no yeah so man I would say so even from your experience I would say you just because I've made a video about this before. I'm trying to remember like exactly what I said, but basically you didn't define yourself by your relationship. And a lot of people, this is, this is just my theory on what happened. So you live this life that you're living in this society and you're not accepting yourself. You find somebody that accepts you for where you are. You now are with this person and because they accept you, you feel like it's okay to accept yourself. Only issue is you're not only accepting yourself in the ways that this person accepts you. So you now built this character, this identity for your relationship. And when you're in that and when this person rejects that, now it's all shot to shit. And so you're going to do anything you can, which in our society, we feel really good when we make somebody else feel small. Do anything you can to repair that hurt by making somebody else feel bad you to feel better about yourself and so like when the relationships as long as your identity is rooted in how this other person and how they treat you or whoever they are to you you're going to need something from them after it's over and it seems like for you your identity wasn't rooted in that and hers was so she needed you to validate who she was that you well who she created based off how you loved her if that makes sense kind of like that that was well said absolutely i find it's very much akin to grieving in that we in a certain mentality at least it's like the experience itself wasn't enough that we unless we are hurting because that experience is past obviously we didn't value the experience and that's something that we tend to get caught in i know I've, i've wrestled with a couple of instances where a loved one has passed and for me 
that's a very different experience than with most people because I don't see them being gone. I don't see it being passed. And so my experience isn't necessarily one of sorrow, though there is, of course, you know, pain and, and some suffering in, in that they've left. But that pain is more of a celebration that they were ever there to begin with, right? Whereas I've dealt with clients who, if they were to stop feeling suffering, if they were to stop feeling guilt and regret, it's like the person would have never been or the person had no importance to them. And so I've actually said to people, like, you understand that the pain you're holding on to is actually taking away from the experience that you've had. It's twisting the experience that you've already went through that was already what it was meant to be. Now you're going back and almost rewriting it and distorting it as a result, where you could just accept that it happened and be grateful that it did and move on. Right. But that, again, that requires that lack of attachment. We can't do that and be attached. Yeah. Right. That that's the hardest part. And so grieving, whether it's somebody dying or, or the end of a relationship or the loss of anything, really, it's that attachment. It, it's how much of me was in that. And as soon yeah. as you, there's not you in that, then it's just what it is. And this is kind of the, the way I, I am with people. Like I don't use the word friend ever. And it's because to me, either everyone's a friend or no one is. Everybody's people. Nobody is a specific idea. If I have an idea of a friend, that's a set of requirements, right? That's not a, a friendly thing to do is put someone in a box and expect them to perform in a certain way. You have expectations, right? And so to me, everybody is just who they are. And I interact with them on that level without attachment, without expectation, without needing to, to put them in a box that matches what I prefer. Right. And because of that, I don't attach to anybody. I, I had a, a Kung Fu student for two years and we used to hang out pretty frequently after the fact. He asked me, he's like, when you leave town, because I told him at some point I'm going to move out to Vancouver Island where I am now. It's like, we're still going to talk, right? Like, I'll, 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 you'll come out and visit and, and whatnot. And no, no, probably not. And it's just because I'll be gone. And I was very honest about it. And he took that to heart. And it's like, it's not personal. It's just that you're going to have your life and I'm going to have my life. And I've been through this enough times to know as much as I may want to cling to the past, eventually I'm going to resent you for it. Eventually I'm going to have so much on the go that you're not going to fit. And your demand that you do fit is going to ruin the relationship. So let's just cut our strings here and enjoy it for what it was and, and enjoy how we've changed as a result. But not everybody appreciates that, that relationship. Very true. But I yeah. do. I believe it always all boils down to your relationship with yourself because you have a shitty relationship. I bet you have a shitty relationship with yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm noticing that more and more. I have a couple thoughts that came out of that when it comes to relationships and marriage. And I guess the first one before the marriage aspect is even I feel like it's it's sort of like a, a common thing that we do and we see someone like for me, if I run into someone I haven't seen in a while who I went to high school with, say, in New York City, there's always like this, this need to say, oh, let's let's grab lunch or let's grab drinks. And like, where does that come from? Like, why does everyone always feel like when both of you know that there's no fucking chance you're meeting up to get a drink or to get lunch, but you still say it just because it's something to say instead. Of, and like, sometimes it's just a, I'm sure I'll see you around, whatever. But a lot of times it's like, we should meet up. We should blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, it's not going to happen. But like, is that like a, a social comfort thing of like, I'll see you around or like, 
it's not goodbye. It's see you later sort of thing. So it's like leaves a potential for kind of like Ray, you were just saying with, with your friend that your your Sifu who, when you were moving, you're like, probably won't see you actually. Like, is it, is it a discomfort in people saying that there's a chance we may never cross paths again? I think so. I, I think like, I, I've honestly, like this is the first time I've really thought about it. So I live with you, know, you saying that's like, well, I never really thought about it like that, but yeah, I think like how you said exactly what it is. Like there's just some fear there of whatever attachment you've built is going to be gone. And if that's gone, then you're gone because that identity is tied up in there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. I went through this uh, once upon a time, years and years and years ago, but I was living in a different province and I was totally intending on moving. I was only out there for a short time. And I said to, to a friend, like, I will be leaving. I promise you, I will be leaving. And as soon as I said that, he, he basically ignored it. He's like, nah, it's never going to happen because nobody who ever lives in that area of the world ever moves because once you're there pretty much it's a death sentence for the rest of your life you're just going to age and settle into an old egotistical mentality anyway the point is is that he just convinced himself it wasn't going to happen and then finally the month before i left i said okay i'm leaving i got my ticket i'm out in a month stop talking to me stop coming to the house started talking shit behind my back right and it was because he couldn't just let it go i had to be enough of a villain for him to justify not, not thinking about me anymore. He had to push me away. He couldn't just let it go. Exactly. And that, that's why we don't honestly say, you know, and I'm probably not going to see you. You know, we just don't because we care about that impact because we think that somehow patting that person's feelings is going to help them deal with that need and that codependence where those feelings are coming from. And so to me, it's worth it just to upfront say it like, hey, this isn't going to happen the way you want. If that hurts, this is an excellent opportunity for us to talk about why, right? yeah. if you want to. But that, again, that's me. And I, I've made a career out of burning bridges. I, I carry a little matches and some lighter fluid with me just for the sake, right? And dance by the flames. Because we're all growing and changing as a result, we can't hold on to these old bridges and expect to find new rivers, right? And so that's just in my life as a whole. But that's a good question, Andrew. I, I really do think that a good, part, a good part of it is our feelings, we don't want to be disliked. I know another good part of it is their feelings. I know sometimes what I'll, I will say like, hey, we should go out for a coffee sometime. And I know in my head at the back of it, it's like my schedule doesn't allow that. I know I'm barely ever going to see this person. But what I have said is I would like to see you more. At the very, if I had the opportunity, at the very least, this is something I would like to do. So I think there is something nice in that sentiment, if you mean it, <laughs> if you mean it. It doesn't mean you have to, to live up to it, but at the very least, mean it. Because it does come across in the conversation like, oh, okay, well, this person appreciates me. And they know, they know you're probably not going to go for a coffee, but it is a nice thing to realize that, that you've enjoyed the conversation so much that if the time and place were available, you would continue to have that conversation. Or at least that's my take on it. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think of, it's funny because I think of like reading books about like Himalayan masters, how they kind of come off as like assholes all the time. And if you really think about it, it's not that they're assholes. They're just really being real and not attaching emotion to the situation. And so personally, that's kind of how I've tried to model myself some. It's just understanding that we are the minority in the aspect of being aware of that we're in control, that we're the ones doing this. 
And since everybody else isn't, I had to be okay with the fact that not everybody's going to respond to me the way that I would have a comfortable reaction to because we literally think different right now. And so it just becomes this thing of just allowing people to be on their journey as I'm on mine at the same time. Not saying it's easy by any means. We have human triggers that react, but yeah. Yeah. And they won't always appreciate you for it. Exactly. It's the other part of it, right? It's like, just because you're allowing them to be who they are, that doesn't mean that they're going to like you for it. That also means allowing them to be hateful and spiteful and resentful if that's the path that they choose. But yeah. you have to let go of your idea of yourself, like you've done something wrong. And that is tricky. And I, I do agree with you. I think that is exactly why certain enlightened beings or, or masters or people, let's just say people who have let go people. of themselves <laughs> enough, because I hate that expression, enlightened, but people who have just gotten out of their way, they really have no reason to mince words or beat around the bush. I mean, we might as well just get to the point. I, I, had, a, <laughs> I had a client get mad at me last week, and it's because we were talking about her relationship, and she was focused on all the little things that, that weren't right. And the alternative was letting go of all that and the lifetime, the lifestyle that she's used to and going away for a little bit with her partner just to establish a route again, to, to touch base, to be able to see each other rather than what we see or, or what we're willingly seeing in the other person, what we're projecting into the other person. And so she kept saying, well, I don't know about that and this and this and this, and there's this expense and I don't want my, my schedule. And then it was just all this. And finally, I just said, what is your priority here? And the response was, well, that seems a bit abrasive. It's like, it might seem that way, but really we're just getting down to brass tacks. Like, what is your priority here? If it seems abrasive, it's because you're trying to avoid it. And that was the point. And after we went through the meltdown of me being abrasive and, and coming to that, that realization, like, right, I'm just being direct. Then we made some progress. But at first it was, I'm comfortable beating around the bush. Why aren't you letting me do that? Because you came to me. That's why, that's exactly, because I don't like beating around the bush. Let's, let's get to the point, right? But yeah, I find that it's fun when you start realizing that the reaction is something that you can work through too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, I found that people don't like abrasive, like to the point statements really like even on social media when i got into you know a lot of questioning religion type videos i got a little bit abrasive for a bit there and it was like straight up like first opening line was like like shook people and it triggered a lot of people in a lot of the videos i was making so i've i guess i've found that while those can be helpful to cut through sometime it's like there's a time and a place for it and it's like as much as it's not my responsibility for how they respond, like that's on them. There's still a lot of very fragile people out there. So finding the balance of where you can meet them sort of like going at a tiered pace as opposed to like just cutting down to like the fully peeled back sensitive aspect, like straight through to the to the root of it is like that knocks them back so far they don't even aren't even willing to hear what you have to say next. Um, so I found that to be interesting along the lines of responsibility and what we've sort of been talking about. We might, I don't know if we, we want to get into that. Maybe we'll cut this part out, but I was curious for a situation, an extreme situation where somebody say is in a relationship and 
their partner is like suicidal. And they're like, if they're basically saying things like, if you leave me, I'll kill myself. Like, how does one go about that? Like initially, because it's not your responsibility, but at the same time, if this person is bordering on that, it's like, that's, that's not your responsibility. And as much as it's like, that would be awful for them to do that. Like you can't live your life catering to them based on that. So like, I'm curious again for both of you, just like what your thoughts are on it, like how to go about, because that's, I feel like almost as extreme as it gets for this type of situation. Like if you leave me, I'll kill myself. And it's like, that has nothing to do with you, but at the same time, you're seen almost as they're almost like foisting all of this responsibility mm-hmm. onto you that isn't actually yours. So just throwing out that out there again for you guys, if you have any thoughts on that. No. Yeah. So the perspective that I would take in this kind of situation is, so you're in a relationship. So I'm a guess that they love each other or they say they love each other. So I would, I would use that as like, so you say you love me and I would be sad if you were gone. So you're not thinking about that aspect you put this pressure on me. Now your life is in my hands. Now you're not thinking about me on that aspect. So this person who says that they love you and they want you to be with them or they won't be here anymore. is not thinking about you at all. Not even one little bit. It's literally all about them. They basically just became a narcissist if they weren't one in that moment that they put this, uh, this situation on you. And so I would just look at it as, you know what? And I know it, another aspect, it really does go against like what we've learned in society and how we are. But like you said in the beginning, you don't have nothing to do with you. And I feel like that's just disrespectful for someone to say, if you don't do this, I'm not going to live anymore. I, well, I guess you're not going to be on this earth for that much longer because I can't limit myself. Like at the end of the day, I have to look at myself in the mirror when I wake up in the morning. I have to be the one with the thoughts inside of my head. And if I make myself small for you to feel big, then I'm going to do that in other areas of my life and life won't be fun anymore. Beautifully said. I'm really enjoying this conversation. Thank you again for for joining us for this episode. This has been a lot of fun so far and we're not done yet. So don't worry, listener, we're going to keep going. Um, I like what you said there that they immediately became a narcissist. They weren't already one. And I think that that's really appropriate because we tend to use the word narcissist a lot just to mean people who are self-involved, extremely self-involved, because that's the only way that they feel that satisfaction or value will ever come about is through focusing on that idea of themselves. And I've been there. I mean, we immediately become manipulative as a result of that. Um, I've had, unfortunately, I've been in this situation more than once where I was with a partner who threatened suicide. And I've been in, in the result that went both ways. In that on the one part, it was everything worked out fine. We broke up. They took accountability for their life as a result of me going, that's not on me. I can't make it on me. And they took accountability. And on the other hand, the other person went and killed themselves. Right? And immediately you go, well, maybe I could have done something different. You couldn't because the will to live comes from us. It comes from us. And if I'm looking for somebody else to fix that for me, that's how little I'm putting into it. That's what I'm going to get out of it. And I know I took this path for a long time right? I tried to commit suicide. I was self-admitted. I did all of that. And it was always because I was looking outside the world for value. I was looking outside the world to feel loved. It had to come from me. And it wasn't until I actually tried that I realized I like living or rather I value living 
even if it sucked, there has to be something I, I can do with it from here. And, and then it took another six months to a year to figure out what that was. But it had to start with me going, my life is mine. My life is mine. And that actually required me to get to the point where everybody abandoned me. Everyone, right? At the psych ward, calling who I thought was my best friend at the time, only to have him say, sorry, man, you drained the energy out of me. I was on the bottom. There was no one. And it had to be about me or it was about nothing. And that's when everything changed. And that is true for everyone, for everyone. And if you stick around hoping that they're going to find that energy, they're not because you're still sticking around. Why would I learn to walk if you keep handing me a crutch? I just don't have to, right? And it's the strength that we need so we can experience that will to live because strength and will and all that and courage, it's all the same thing. Right? It all comes from responsibility or accountability for yourself here and now. Right? And so I, I would say that in that situation, be as empathetic as you can, but spell it out. You have to live for you. You can't live for what I think of you because right? that's not going to last forever. What if I die? What if I get hit by a car? Right? Anything could happen, then you're screwed. Right? So for your own sake, don't, don't lean on me. That's pretty much it. I hope that helps, Andrew. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's, that's more along the lines of, of what I was thinking with, with both of you, that it, it doesn't come down to you at all. It, it has everything to do with them. And it's an extremely self-involved way of, of expressing things. And I actually wanted to sort of like stay along this topic and the idea of, of killing yourself, of suicide and how it's interesting because to me, it seems like just the extreme of the idea of yourself being taken to be the truth so much that you see it as something that could be ended. And when you, when we look at nature and like animals, for example, like I don't think an animals ever committed suicide. I would, I would guess, right. Like that's very much a human thing. And it's, it's because of the idea of ourselves, right? Like that's where it comes from. It doesn't, it's not like this natural, it's a very unnatural tendency, like when you're outside of the flow to such a degree that you see yourself as something so separate that you would want to end the experience because you see yourself as something so separate from reality. And I don't have, you know, experience with a degree of depression to that sense, but it, it makes sense as to it, it just being that idea of yourself taken to such the extreme. So letting go more and more of the idea of yourself coming back to the moment that you're in the here and now, like everything we talk about on this podcast is allows people to get to a place that it, it doesn't even make any sense because what we've talked about before, like it doesn't change anything, you know, it's like the fucking, Oh my God, the teal swan fucking shit is like, <laughs> Oh, you get a, you get a, it's a reset, you know? So she's almost, pushing and that was part of the deep end that was so fucked was like oh yeah you know just just a reset just yeah sometimes it's it's something worth doing it's like it doesn't change jack shit because you are reality like you don't go anywhere you're always here now and so as you let go of all that those identity-based beliefs and ideals and comparison of, of what you think you are relative to your environment, relative to other people, relative to your past idea of yourself, relative to all of it. And as you just come back to being reality here and now and, and being in the flow, it's like those, those ideas of, 
of self-harm don't make as much sense anymore because you're not separate. But again, pass it back to both of you. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on just it as a topic and, and where it comes from. And to me, it just seems like letting go more and more of the idea of yourself is sort of the root, like cure in a way to all of the anxiety and depression and mental suffering that we experience. Cause it always comes back to the idea of you, the, the idea of, of you relative to everything else is the root of all of that psychological suffering. So yeah, I think that's where it comes from. And, and to Nick and, and Ray, yeah. I would love to hear your experiences. I know Ray's been very open about his past experiences, but you know, just experiencing more and more freedom, I guess, is another way to, to throw it out there with you, Nick, have you, have you seen more of that as you've let go of trying to define yourself and having this solidified idea of yourself as something separate from reality and coming back to just recognizing that, that you're one with the flow of existence of reality that you've just been able to embody more and more freedom and experience less of that, any, any level of anxiety or, or depression along with that that journey of letting go yeah so i i take on a little bit of a complicated approach to this i'm really big on like looking at science too like how the human body functions like that's something that's really interesting to me like how all of it is so connected and so one of the things that i really dove into was the neural pathways that i had created inside my own head and i didn't realize how important they were in my experience altogether like they were literally why i viewed the world the way i viewed it why i felt the way i felt and all those things and so after i became aware of that and then i learned psychedelics would kind of be like a, a clean slate of that i went through the process of now kind of curating what it is that i wanted to be like and wanted to experience and so i would say the freedom is it's amazing because you realize like you said earlier labels are limits and that's what it's always been it's been me looking outside of myself for the validation that's already been right here and as soon as I looked right here instead of out there, I realized how deep it was, how much wealth was inside of myself that I was trying to get out here, that all the riches, anything I could have ever wanted was right here. Because if I have $1 or a billion dollars, I'm the exact same person. That was awesome. I really enjoyed how you said that. That was fantastic. Um, I wanted to say quickly that it's interesting to me because when I was in that state of being suicidal and thinking about self-harm, it wasn't just myself I wanted to hurt. I hated everything. I hated the world. Like everything was, was resent and, and pain and suffering. And it was all resent. Like it was all revolving around me and about, about how it wasn't fair. And if there was a God, he hated me and the whole thing. It was just this massive, massive narrative. And what I think is so interesting is that when you get out of that, it's not like self-harm is no longer an option. It's that you're no longer the self that you were harming. It's like you're not thinking about it anymore you're not identifying with that thing and so there's nothing to harm right because you're not identifying as the single divided thing I, I find that to be so interesting and for me suicide so I said this to a client I don't know a couple months ago who was dealing with suicide ideation and, and they asked do you ever have those thoughts anymore and I said well, they're always in there they're always available like those thoughts are always there it's just a matter of how I perceive or don't perceive myself Depending on where in that spectrum I go, depending on which part of the narrative I want to attach to, that's always there. The option to commit suicide is always optional, right? But the urge to commit suicide disappears as soon as you let go of that idea of yourself. And so what, what helped me get over that wasn't the idea that, you know, oh, I'm going to squander my life. It's that I wasn't going anywhere because I am everywhere. So even if I ended Ray, 
suffering doesn't end. Suffering is part of the dualistic experience. I've got it in every, every incarnation. It's just part of the experience. So who am I, where am I trying to go? Right? I'm going to have to start all over again and start learning from diapers onward. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'll take what I've had up until this point and make the most of it. Right. But that's really it. And so to this client I was talking to, I said, it may not feel like there's any point to what you're going through right now, but the way that you got there, the path that you took to the bottom of that pit is unique to you, which means that the lessons that you've learned are unique to you, which means that everything that's possible afterwards is unique to you. So you can find insights and relationships and perspectives that I can't because I didn't take that path. Don't squander it. Don't squander the adventure that you're on because you are me making the most out of your lot in life if you choose to, if you choose to. And there's no right or wrong, but you, it seems almost like a shame to waste all of the strength that you now potentially have access to. I find that to be a very good reason to not commit suicide because it's not a sin. There's nothing evil about it. It's just kind of a waste. I agree. It's a really good way to look at it. Yeah. No, I appreciate both of your responses. And I found more and more that I, as I see myself as reality, like when, when you see those things and, and whether it's suffering or anger or despair or anxiety, it's like when, when you embody those things, you're adding it to reality. So you're as reality, you are embodying that. So it's like, now in this sort of incarnation of whatever exactly i am i have influence over reality as reality so it's like as much as it can be difficult for people to let go of that idea of control and and we cling to control so much it's like we never actually had any of it but what we do have is influence here and now and and as you let go more and more of the control of the future focus control of like getting everything you want and like having the perfect life in 10 years. It's like, you see how much influence you have now, but as you cling to the control aspect in the future, you don't see the influence now. It's like, it's almost like a teeter totter. As you cling to control, you don't see all the influence you have now. As you let go of the control, you see all the influence you have now that you can have on reality as reality. And it comes full circle to like, holy shit, there's a lot of shit I can add to reality as reality and embody as reality. So it's like, it's so much cooler than having this like false sense of certainty and desire for control that you never had to seeing like, oh, I actually do have influence here and now. And I think Nick, this is the thing that you talk about a lot when it comes to responsibility and, and making change. It's like, it happens now. It always happens right now. So people, especially you know, on a, on a day like today on eight, eight, the Lionsgate portal, people are getting very caught up in, in, you know, the portal's opening and I got to get all this shit into my life. Like real quick, I got 24 hours to like get everything I want right now. And it's like, as long as they're so focused on getting all of those things, they're missing the power that they have in the moment to be it. So with, with that, and along the lines of, of, manifesting and desiring this sense of control. Cause that's what it comes down to. It's this desire for a sense of control in an uncontrollable future in an uncertain world. And so manifesting, and, and we've talked about this many times is always happening now. 
Like you're always manifesting your reality. So as you cling to these strong desires for what's going to be, you're manifesting a state of lack in the moment. You're, you're reinforcing that you don't have all of those things now. But as you've mentioned a few times today, Nick, like it's all within you. You've always had it within you and you're always you, whether you have, you know, a billion dollars or or $1. So is that with your journey with, with, you know, like manifestation specifically, I know for me, I've gotten caught up in it last year. I was like all about, you know, the, the journaling and trying to get all the things that I want. And I've, I've seen that things have happened more. I put it in quotes perfectly now that I let go of all of the desires and wasting sort of all that energy on trying to manifest all of these things into my life that I don't necessarily have. How has your journey been with the process of, of manifesting your sort of viewpoint on it, how it's impacted your life and, and your experience and what your sort of thoughts on it are now? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I had the vision board. I had the journal I wrote in at 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. I'd done it all. I did all of it trying to get something. And like you said, when I stopped, it all worked out. And it's funny. It's so funny because as I was doing it and I, I kind of related to like the, when I was practicing like ritualistic magic, it hit me. And it was like all these things that I'm doing don't matter. All that matters is what I'm thinking about right now. So it's almost like anything I'm doing is a meditation towards the direction of whatever it is that I want to achieve or accomplish. And so when it came down to manifestation, it was more so like, what do I want to manifest? I don't want to manifest a million dollars. I want to manifest feeling good. Like I want to manifest being okay with myself. That's what I really want. Because a lot of times we want superficial things. We don't realize what we don't accept because we know we don't really look at ourselves and accept what it is we really want. And what we really want is to feel secure, feel, uh, feel secure, safe and feel okay with ourselves. That's all we really want and to feel good. And so when we can realize that that's what we want, we realize that these things we want to manifest that we're not getting, we're not getting it because we don't really want it. We just want to feel good. And you can feel good right here in the present. And when you start to feel good in the present, those things that you thought that was going to make you feel good have more room to now come because you already are there where you would be if you had them. I think that makes more sense. Somebody say you got to feel it already. I never thought about that. Yeah. It's interesting because you, you had mentioned earlier that our external or what we perceive to be our external is always in direct relationship with the mentality that we're in. Right. And so I find it very funny that the potential of each and every moment is directly proportional to our level of faith in ourselves. Yeah. I find that to be just hilarious that the more I get out of my way, the more potential is in each and every moment, or I just see more potential in each and every moment. But I know from my own experience that when I was really trying to, to dig my way out of the hole, when I was trying to you know get out of poverty, when I was trying to get out of depression and all of that, it was an uphill battle through mud constantly. And when I let go, all of a sudden things started to change, job offers, opportunities, people talking to me, relationships that, that, that went with a greater degree of ease. And it was just because I wasn't trying to get somewhere. I wasn't so manipulative. I wasn't so cut off. I find that to be just the funniest thing. And it makes me wonder, as we're having this conversation, we three individual puzzle pieces that are all the puzzle at the same time, we're creating this ripple as a, as a result of, of our relationship with our reality or our relationship as reality. And that ripple is spreading. We're seeing this more and more in the community that we're developing here on Dualistic Unity. I know, Nick, you're probably seeing it more and more in your clients and your relationships day to day because it tends to go that way. So here we are in this, I would, I'm not going to say beginning stage because it's definitely well on its way to takeoff, but we are in this transition 
to a different mentality. We are in this transition to a greater sense of faith in ourselves, but that requires us to question that identity that, that we've been holding on to for so long, right? It requires us, and it makes sense, right? If you don't have any faith in yourself, what do you want? You want the illusion of control, money, security, house, you know, prestige, respect. You want all those things because you have no faith in yourself. So you need those things to feel safe. They are the same problem. I always find that interesting. Yeah, because you got to fight to keep them. Yeah, that is that has been very funny to see with people, especially in in the manifestation community, and like even the idea of of you know with everything going on with Andrew Tate now and all the people who are like so gung ho on him and his messages. It's like they're trying to get all of these external things to get a sense of value because they clearly don't feel like they have it. So they feel like they have to get it and they don't, cause they're confused because they're confused about what they are as reality itself, as God, as existence embodied as here and now that they have identified as, you know, this idea or human or, or whatever. And, and we can get into that a little bit. Cause I've been going back and forth, like what the hell I actually am for a little while, but it's, it's interesting to see that with people who are so into getting more money and fame and success. It's like, I see it now as such an insecure way of being because that's, it's literally insecurity being expressed. And as you value all those things to such a high degree, it's, it's just showing like, oh, you don't have the faith in yourself to roll with the situation or wherever it comes. So you need all of this external to give yourself that sort of validation or acceptance of, of yourself. But it's such a fragile way of living because it's, it's outside of your influence to a degree. And it's, it's, it's all to get the external, to get validation from other people. It's not that you know, you wouldn't care about having so much money or cars or, or houses or whatever, if there weren't anyone to show them to. Right. So that's what it really comes down to is the acceptance of others and their validation, because you don't see that validation within yourself. Like if there were no other people on earth, you would just go around doing whatever you want. You wouldn't give a shit about all of that extra stuff. So that that's pretty interesting. I've never really thought about it like that, that it really just comes down to the validation from others. It doesn't, it, those are just vehicles for those things. And I've, yeah, I've found that as I've built more and more faith in myself, it's like the, the feeling that I embody, the experience, the freedom that I have, I wouldn't trade that for anything. There is no price you could ever possibly put on that. So it's like the other stuff just isn't, is naturally not as valuable. So it's fascinating, but like, Nick, have you experienced that, I guess, like more and more as you've, as you've let go. And we've already talked about this a little bit, just the letting go of the need for things to happen as you think they should, but it's like that, that feeling that you have that within you and that acceptance, that radical acceptance, like, I, I feel like it, I can imagine at least for myself, it's a priceless feeling. Like, have, have you felt that within yourself as well? Yeah. And I would say even with like 
when you're talking about Tate and how it's like they're projecting that insecurity. And it's like, yeah, because you now need somebody to validate what you believe about yourself because you don't believe in yourself. So you have to get as many people as you can to now validate what you don't believe so that you can believe it. And now you have to keep that going. So it just makes it super difficult for me. It, it boils down to because I, I say I'm very fortunate in my journey because I found what I call root stuff very early in because I'm such an extremist, how I do things, I wasn't afraid to dive into it. And so for a lot of stuff for me, it was realizing that everything just came from myself, how I viewed it, how I experienced it, what I thought about it. And in a world where we can't control everything, I realized that if you do want to feel that sense of control, you can always uh, dictate who you are in the moment that you experience something. Always. Like that's a thousand percent up to you every single time. And that's actually something that I, I tell my clients consistently. I remind them like you, yeah, this kid might have done something in the classroom, but it was your choice to blow up because of what they did instead of you taking accountability for who you are in, a, in doing a situation differently so that you can experience a potential that you didn't see before. And like kind of as you were saying, and you had that realization, I was like, yeah, because life is so layered. Like once you start to uncover one thing, just keep digging until you can't dig anymore. And you'll realize like we want to feel good. We want to feel accepted. And a lot of stuff that we deal with is just because we choose not to believe in ourselves. I would say 95 percent of what we deal with on a daily basis is because we're looking for something outside of us to do something that we should be doing inside ourselves. Nicely said. Absolutely. And back to the topic of Andrew Tate, I, I think it's really interesting because when we look at his views of anybody who's unlike him, whether it be a woman or somebody who's not a fighter or anything like that, they don't have any opinions that's worth listening to. Right. And it's because he's decided who he is. That's where he gets his value from. Unfortunately, it doesn't make him any happier as a person. And so now he has to get clones. He needs to get other Andrew Tates who think and feel the same way. So then he can go, okay, well, they're all doing it. Therefore, this is the path to happiness, despite the fact that I'm paying them to do it. And, and that is the problem is, is that as long as you're identifying, you cut yourself off from numerous opportunities to grow. Like his idea that I would never, I would never have a conversation to, with a woman that didn't involve me trying to get sex at the end of it. That is the funniest and most shallow, insecure statement I think I've heard in months. And it's just because... He's unwilling to see that they have the same consciousness that he does. Like he, because he's so wrapped up in himself and his own value. Anybody who's different has less value and he can't help but perceive them that way. And so it's, it's really interesting to watch because that man is going to make a lot of money on that mentality because it's so widespread, because our society is in all ways, reinforcing the idea that you are what you think you are. And the more money you have, the more valuable you are. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to rake, rake it in hand over fist for sure. But the problem is that all of those people are going to end up a little bit farther back on their journey than they were when they found Andrew Tate, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's unfortunately where, I guess, dualistic unity really comes in because our whole point is that this conversation shouldn't add anything to your life. This conversation should just be a part of it, right? If, if it's a part of your life and you're listening and you're growing, that's on you. It's not us, right? Which is why we don't charge for the podcast. Which is why we don't charge for almost everything because we're already benefiting. This is us taking advantage of our own path. The three people that you see on your screen or the three people that you're listening to right now, all individually are accountable for their own existences. And that's what's led them to have this conversation in the same way that the listener has been led to this conversation through their own choices. 
that's it. That's the work in itself. There's nobody to convince. There's nothing to sell. There is no end result to shoot for. You're it. You're already in the process. You are the process, which is what this is all about. And so we are wrapping up or we're coming up to the hour and a half mark. I just wanted to say quickly, Nick, that I cannot thank you enough for joining us today for this episode. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I know it took a little while for the manifestation to come through. We've been a bit busy. Things have you know, had to go through a queue, but it had to happen eventually. And it's funny because as I've watched your content, I've had the same, very same feeling. We're going to have a chat at some point. I'm really glad it happened. No, definitely. I, I'm very excited to have this conversation because like I told my wife was like, she's like, you're really excited for this podcast, aren't you? I was like, you know why? She was like, I know you don't have a lot of people who you get to talk to and have these conversations with who get what you're saying. I was like, I know. So I'm very excited to have this conversation today. <laughs> That's fantastic. I'm really glad to hear that. If you have a chance in November and you can and you can join us for the retreat, we would love to see you. Of course, we're going to be doing these retreats several times per year as we move forward. So if you are busy in November, I know it's short notice, no worries, but uh, do keep it in mind if ever you would like to come and join us and really deep dive on this stuff in person for over a week. That's what the retreat's all about, because like you, this conversation is it's a result of the depth that I live right? People ask me, it's like, don't you ever turn it off? It's like, I wouldn't if I could, you know, this is just a result of where I am. Life is an act of enthusiasm when you're not in the way. And that's, that's pretty much it. So I have very much enjoyed this conversation. I am going to ask you a few more questions before we part here. Specifically, I'd like to ask a little bit more about the project that you're working on with your brother. What would you say is the centerpiece to what you're bringing to people's lives? Or what would you say is the most important insight? that you are bringing to your clients' lives? And is, something that, uh, is it something that our audience could take away from? Yeah, so I would say, and disclaimer, he would explain it completely differently, just throwing that out there, because he'll listen to this. And he'll, <laughs> I know you would say it differently. But uh, for me, it's one that we offer a different perspective without telling you what to do. Like, like I said before, I was really fortunate that I found Alan Watts. So one thing that I wanted to make sure that we did with anything that we do is we're not telling you what to do. We're just sharing with you a perspective. We just want to plant a seed. We want you to know that the way that you see the world is not absolute because how you feel is not absolute. You can change that. You can change the way you see things. So that's pretty much like more so encompassing of like what we're presenting them and how we present it to them and stuff is basically in a, uh, like a, I would say like a 12 week time span ordeal. So we do like a 12 week program where basically you sit with yourself. You want, I'll give you guys one exercise. Basically it's for every hour on the hour for a week, you write down what you do every single day. So if you go back at the end of that week and look at that piece of paper, you'll know exactly who you are and why you are that because you have a list of it right here. My brother's favorite thing is you can only manage what you measure. So it's like, if you measure it, you can now manage who you are within your life because you see where all your time goes and what you do. And so like, I feel like us bringing that has been, it's been fun, but I will say on the other side of it, I realized that, which is why I made the content the way I do. People don't want to hear it. People don't want to realize that they're accountable for the life that they're experiencing right now. That is your fault. You don't want to hear that. You want somebody to tell you that it's someone else's fault. And as soon as you get some more money, you'll feel better. I'm coming with the solution. And so that's what it's just been this journey of being able to express what I have to help you, but at the same time, not turning you off because I'm telling you straight up to your face, like, yeah, it's your fault. Nice. That's awesome. And as always, of course, there's a difference between fault and responsibility, right? But an ego is always going to look at it as fault and see mistakes where it's just steps along the path. 
that's amazing. I, I really appreciate the fact that what you're really teaching people is just to be aware of yeah. what they're doing here and now. You're not telling them to focus on where they want to go. You're saying, get your opinion out of the way and just focus on what actually is. Yeah. Right. And I can't imagine a better exercise for just coming to terms with exactly how you got where you are. Right. But you have to remove that judgment. I think that that's the most important part is, is getting, I made a mistake out of the way. Yeah. Right. So that way you can just go, this is just what I'm doing and then change it. That's fantastic. That, that's amazing. And if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, one of our listeners wanted to find out more about where, what you're doing, where could they find that information? Oh, yeah. So um, our website is a balance, the word balanced and the word period. So balancedperiod.com. All our social media is a balanced period. And you'll know it's us because our logo is the yin yang sign, but it's two lions. One's gray and one's white and they're kind of roaring at each other. So that's the logo. Um, we have a shop shop.balanceperiod.com where we do merch and stuff like that, where you can find like our programs and plans. Or if you have a company that you want us to come and speak to everybody, like we have all of those things all on the website. And so, yeah, that's where you can kind of get in touch with us personally, the ball sage, like you said in the beginning, but yeah. And all, all I didn't throw it in that the, uh, my specialty for what we do is I teach breath work and meditation. So I take the crowds and the people that we work with, I take them through breathing exercises and I take them through awareness meditations, because what I realize is, especially with everyday people, if I can get you to take a moment to breathe and show you the value of slowing down and let you experience it, then I got you because you've never experienced that before. And the fact that you have the power to do that, you're going to let me show you how you can do that better and better. So, yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. And of course, we're going to include all the details in the description of this video below uh, for anybody who's looking for that. And if you have an opportunity, we would love to see you join us on our Discord server. We have, I think we're close to 430 members as of right now. We're going to be awesome. sharing this episode with all of them. So if you can pop on and introduce yourself, I'm sure there's going to be no shortage of questions. Um, I do have one more question. I'm going to pass this over to Andrew because I know I'm, I'm continuing to babble. This has been a lot of fun. Um, in terms of breath work, because this is something that as a practitioner of, of Wing Chun Kung Fu and, and Thich Bo Sam, I had to learn some Qigong along the way and breath work is incredibly important. Um, do you have any specific breath work exercise that you could recommend? I, I would say for presence, presence mm -hmm. alone, not, not necessarily anxiety or anything like that, but let's just say that I'm just lost in the narration. Out of habit, those synaptic pathways are just, they've taken hold and I'm thinking about myself and judging myself. What would you consider to be the easiest breath work to practice in the moment on the fly, say as I'm on the bus or, or taking a walk, what could help me get out of my head? Yeah, so most basic, and it's actually what we take people through. I take everyone through this first. It's like, I try to build, help people build the best foundation I can. And all it is, is six seconds in through the nose, six seconds out through the mouth. The reason why you breathe in for six seconds is because that's basically the amount of time it takes for our body to take a full breath. When you breathe into the diaphragm, your nose acts like a filtration system as you breathe in so you can absorb more oxygen. And the six seconds out through the mouth is because I just figured we can call it balanced breathing since we're balanced, period. And it makes a lot more sense when people hear it and they're doing it. And what it gives people is this moment to be like, get out of up here and follow your breath for a second. Because the only issue that you're dealing with in this moment in time is that you're so deep in your head that you're not even aware that you're alive anymore. You're basically dead at this point. So take a couple breaths, follow the sensations, and then you'll be a lot better. So all it is six seconds in through the nose, feel the air go in, six seconds out through the mouth. And the cool thing is you can literally do it anytime. Why? You can do our driving, sitting. I did it a little bit in the beginning. I was a little nervous in the beginning. I was doing it when we first started. So I get something that you always use and 
a big thing for us is mindfulness. And we define it as paying attention to the present moment on purpose without judgment. And if you can get that last part of without judgment, it will absolutely change your life. Because when you can just be, you can now experience everything that's out there for you to experience. Damn, that was fucking awesome, dude. <laughs> that was so well said. <laughs> yeah, that is, oh man, there are so many parts to that. And I, I found that people, they don't take the time to slow down ever. And, and the part you said about when people are so caught up in their head, they might as well be dead now. It's like, that's so incredibly true. And I've had people in my life that I've introduced meditation to, or even just like practically force them to just take a second to like watch their breath. And they've started like crying and tearing up because they've never seen it. They've always been so engulfed in it. And it's so common in our society yeah. to live entirely in narratives, entirely in the idea of themselves. And I think, I forget what book it is. It might be one of Eckhart Tolle's books where he talks about like one moment of true presence of true, like just being where you are is enough to like die at peace or it's something along those lines where it's just like so impactful to someone who's never really felt it, that it's like, that's it. And I experience it more and more often now, but there's still moments where it's like so fully like nothing's happening besides the reality of, of what I am, that it's like, everything is just let go. And it's like, oh, this is eternity. This is, this is it right here. Yeah. And, and in that moment you're free and it's just the narrative. It's just the ideas that get in the way. It's just the judgment and, and being able to do that without judgment goes along very very closely with letting go of the idea of yourself because that the idea of yourself is what judges things relatively, you know, the good and the bad, whatever is, is relative to my perception of that. So as you let go of that, you're letting go more and more of the idea of you. And then it's like the practice it's, it's the process of, of catching yourself doing it over and over again. And through that, like there, there won't be as much immediate judgment to the point that you're almost not even making assumptions anymore to begin with. And then it's like, you're completely free to be what you've always been. So yeah, that, yes. that is incredibly powerful. And it's so cool that you're sharing that stuff with people in a practical way that people can implement. And it's, I see it so similar to what Ray and I talk about, what I talk about with one-on-one -on -one clients. And it's really cool to have a conversation like this with someone. And every time we have a guest on, I'm like, so pumped that it's like, Oh fuck. Yeah. This is someone else who like gets it. We can actually have a conversation with. So yeah, that being said, this has been a ton of fun for me. I really appreciate all of your responses and especially to like some of my questions that I had that I was like, I've been thinking about this. I don't really know where it's coming from, but I think I have an idea. I'm going to see what they have to say. And it's like more or less along the lines of, what I was thinking, but yeah, I appreciate you coming on here. I absolutely love your content, Nick. And, and I'm looking forward to keeping in touch and, and continuing to follow along on your journey. Definitely. For sure. This has been just a blast. And Nick, I, I, I promise I'm not just saying this, but come season four, we'd like to have you back on the show for a round table. Round tables are a little bit different. You know, it'll be you and somebody else. And we're just going to basically do this and go in an entirely different direction or several other different directions. So if that's something you're interested in, we would love to see you again. Definitely. hundred percent. Awesome.
That's fantastic. Okay. So on that note, we're going to end this episode here. There's always more to talk about, of course, but we're going to save some for the next time that we have Nick join us. Um, if you haven't had an opportunity to go and check out the retreat as yet, I definitely do recommend you do so at dualisticunity.com. Do remember that if you join us on Patreon, we do weekly group chats via Zoom. The next one is this second Saturday of the month, and then it's every Wednesday for the rest of the month. And then there's a free public group chat coming up on the first Wednesday of next month. So there's lots happening. So join us on Patreon or Discord if you can. Nick, it's been an absolute blast. I'm really, really excited to share this with the audience. As always, it's just more evidence that the mentality that we find ourselves embodying through whatever the journey might be is the mentality that's growing. And it's very exciting to see so many of us being a part of that. So I would like to thank the me that is you and the me that is Andrew for this fantastic episode on relationship and accountability. And everyone, we will see you next week for episode eight. See you. Hi, everyone.